Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can open with me. We're going to be in the book of 1 Peter. It's found in the New Testament, chapter 2. And we are in a series of messages this morning uh, entitled The Games of Life. And what we've done each week is we're taking a look at a different game that we remember playing from our childhood or maybe from your adult years. And we're seeing how some of those games connect to some very powerful principles from God's word. And this week is no different uh, because the game that we're going to take a look at this week is one that uh, I had a lot of fun playing when I was uh, growing up. Uh Uh-oh. You know that one, right? Jenga. You know it. Jenga. It's a game of precision. It's a game of skill. It's a game that you need a very steady hand to take part in because the game of Jenga is all about pulling out one block, placing it on the other, and here's one of the things I didn't realize. Part of the rule is that after you place it, you have to wait 10 seconds before the next person goes. Did you know that? Before you can then go again. And the goal is not to make the whole thing come crumbling down. And you can see as you touch it, it gets more and more unsteady. And every block you take... um, can make the whole thing fall if you're not careful. We had a great time playing this uh, last, about a week and a half ago uh, in the midst of one of our staff lunches that we had together. We pulled out a couple of these games that we're going to be sharing in the messages and we got to test out this Jenga game right here. It works, trust me. I was a part of one of the teams. It was me and another staff member versus two people, uh, two other people on staff. And uh, normally this game is meant to go five to 15 minutes, the rule says. Uh, This went well over 45 minutes, this game. So you can imagine how contentious it was. Uh, In fact, it got so high that one of our staff members had to get on a chair every time she was going to make a a placement of a block. Um, It was scary. I, I, uh, I have to be honest before the Lord right now. My team didn't win. I won't let you know if it was me or the other person that pulled the fateful brick. That's okay. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was amazing. It was epic uh, to watch that happen and to watch the thing come crashing down. Your heart sinks when you watch everything come uh, apart in a moment after you've worked so hard to build it up, right? That's a lot like life. Uh, this game connects with uh, life in that same exact way is that it can be so easy to build something up for so long and in an instant, at a moment's notice, it all comes crashing down. And the Bible speaks of this. And the Bible doesn't just tell us that that is a problem that we can face in life. The Bible also gives us an answer. Aren't you thankful today that God's word hasn't come just to expose a bunch of problems, but he's always come to give us an answer? He's always come to lead and guide us in paths of righteousness and truth. And today I'm so thankful that one of the names that Jesus has given in Scripture is the answer to this very issue that we can face in life that's much like playing the game of Jenga. It's the the term cornerstone. Have you ever heard of Jesus as our cornerstone? I hope you say yes because we just sang about him being our cornerstone. Amen? We sang that Jesus is our cornerstone. And maybe today that was the first time that you heard that kind of song. Um, being sung, but it's a truth from God's word that we see in multiple areas that point to Jesus and his identity as our cornerstone. So today, we're going to take a deeper look at what that means from God's word. And so take a look with me at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4. The Bible says this, coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay a stone in Zion, a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but to those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And to this doom they were also appointed. So today we're going to take a look at Peter who's sharing um, these words with a group of believers who are being persecuted for their faith whose world is being turned upside down time and again. I have to imagine that the, the people that Peter was writing to, as I just was able to share with you this update on Project Refuge, these refugees, many of them have fled and are in the place that they're in because they're believers in Jesus. And to live in that place, you're living in a place of fear. You're living in a place of uncertainty. You're living in a place where your whole world can be uprooted in a moment. And what Peter has to say from God's word, Peter who has witnessed it himself, who Jesus looked at and said, Peter, you're the rock. On this rock, I'm gonna build my church. Peter says to them, when you come to Jesus, it's like you're coming to a living cornerstone. It's a cornerstone that the world has rejected, but is chosen and precious. And take notes, if you're taking notes today, write down that word precious because we're gonna come back to it later. Precious to God. And you also, like living stones, are being built up. So let's look at Jesus as our cornerstone and what that really means. Let's take a look together at, at again, at verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 2. Because there's a passage of scripture that he's pointing to here. Um, it's one that we find um, contained within the Old Testament scriptures. And here's what it says. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will not be disappointed. In that day, in that time, there were these kinds of stones that would be used to build up a house, but there was one stone that would be used, not in this part of the building, in the walls, but it'd be used at the foundation. It was called the cornerstone. A cornerstone was very important to builders because it was the most valuable, the most precious, and the most precise stone in all of the building materials that were used. You see, to have a good cornerstone meant that you had a good foundation. To have the right cornerstone meant that your building would be solid and everything that came up from there would be able to stand firm. And so a cornerstone was so important. I want us to be able to take a look at this and understand it a bit more because I'm guessing there are many masons and builders in the room, maybe a few, uh, but I want you to take a look here. This is what a cornerstone could look like. This is a picture of, uh, of one that would be used in an older uh, piece of architecture in a, in a building. You'll see that it's much bigger. It's normally one of the larger stones being used. Um, it is placed at the, towards the foundation many times, and it's, you'll see it there. Oftentimes inscribed on a cornerstone is a date, a list of names, some distinguishing mark, but you know that's the cornerstone. But that cornerstone wasn't just the largest. It was something that people toiled over before they selected it. You see, they had to be very precise in their selection of a cornerstone because it had to be measured just right. The angles had to be perfect. It had to be cut in such a way because the builder knew something, that the building would ultimately be shaped by the cornerstone. 
the building, whatever was being built, would ultimately find its shape, find its form, find its stability because of the cornerstone. When I say that it finds its shape by the cornerstone, it means that each angle inside the cornerstone needed to be as such that the building would take on those very angles and continue them. And so if you look at different buildings, if you look at a building today that would be shaped like a triangle, you could look at the cornerstone and you'd see what? A triangle, those angles continuing out to make the walls to ultimately allow that building to come together. And so the cornerstone was not something that was selected quickly. It was something that was precisely selected, precisely measured. It was um, continued to be worked on in such a way that they would have it just right because they knew as went the cornerstone, went the foundation. As went the foundation, went the entire building itself. And so you could see that this was the most expensive stone that would be used. This was the most um, precise stone in all the stones as they're looking at them. They wanted to make sure it had to be right because everything else would be measured against the cornerstone. Not only that, it had to be the strongest stone because this stone, the cornerstone, would bear the weight of more than one wall. It would bear the weight of multiple walls, the majority of the structure. And so if the stone crumbled, if the stone's integrity wasn't full, it wasn't good enough, as the weight of the building pressed against it and it crumbled, there went the walls and maybe the building itself. And so can you understand this morning how vitally important a cornerstone is? The cornerstone was something that was so important to every builder. They would have understood this completely. And so when it says that we come to Jesus, we come to a cornerstone, the cornerstone of the foundation that which everything is meant to be built upon. And so as we come to him, it says he is the cornerstone. This cornerstone was rejected by men but chosen by God. Could you imagine with me today if we went to a construction site where they were looking to place a cornerstone, the first stone that they would place to build the foundation, and you saw this precious stone, this amazing stone, it's cast off to the side there, and as it's sitting there, you could tell that it's one that someone has worked on, they've chiseled away at, it is in perfect form. And you look there and you see the men toiling and laboring and they're getting ready to, to work on the foundation and there they are grabbing stones from a creek. They're grabbing bricks from over here. They're grabbing rubble. And what they're doing is they're piling it all into this one place and they're pouring in some concrete and they're trying to shape it and they're saying, this will serve as our cornerstone. This will be fine. Could you imagine as a builder, your heart would be in your stomach. You'd say, I, uh, what are you doing? The, the, the cornerstone is there. Why are you rejecting that and choosing this? He said, no, we're, we're, we, we are comfortable with this. If you're a builder, you know, for you to put that many unstable things together and say, that's gonna be our foundation, that's gonna be our cornerstone, that is foolish. But the Bible says that often when we reject Jesus, when we put away him as the cornerstone of our life and we're putting our faith in other things, the same thing is happening for us. It's like we're taking all those things that are lesser, all those things that cannot withstand the weight, those things that are not as valuable, not as precise, not as right as the cornerstone, and we're putting our trust in them. You see, no builder would do that, but many times we build our lives in that very way. If we look back in Scripture, in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, this is where 1 Peter 2, 6 comes from. Here's what it says. Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. And he who believes in it 
will not be disturbed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Look what it's saying here. It's saying, I'm laying a stone, a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, a costly stone, but it's for the foundation. This stone is being placed there for the foundation so that it will be firm. And the one who believes, the one who trusts in this, will not be put to shame, will not be disappointed, will not be disturbed. Last week, I talked about um, in Paul and Silas, as they found themselves in a jail cell, as they were praying and praising God, what does it say happened to the foundations of that building? They were shaken. And when the foundations were shaken, the doors became undone, the chains fell off, everything around it was shaken. They weren't shaken because they were praising God. Their foundation wasn't in that jail, wasn't in the prison they found themselves, wasn't in the circumstances. Their foundation was in God. And so everything around them could be shaken and disturbed, but they would not be disturbed. The same is true in God's word as we see it. If you trust, if you believe in Jesus as your cornerstone and your foundation, the world around you can be shaken, but you won't be disappointed. The world around you can rumble and quake and can become undone, but you won't be disturbed. The Bible says the one who puts his trust in him will not be put to shame. There are so many other foundations that we could choose to rest our lives on. You can put it on the foundation of your career and your success. You could put it on the foundation of man's opinions. You could put it on the foundation of your own strength, your own intuition, your own wisdom, your own discernment. You could put your trust in all these things and they can seem like a sure foundation. But I want to tell you, when the storms come, when the times get tough, whenever it's there, if you're not standing on the right foundation, you will be disappointed. You will be disturbed. You will be shaken to your core. If your foundation is your health, if that's everything for you, when the storm of sickness comes, you will be shaken to your core. If your foundation is your finances and when there comes a time where that gets taken away, where you go through a season of job loss, a change in career, a sudden whatever it is, circumstance that can pull at that, your world becomes shaken. But I want to tell you, the Bible promises us the one who trusts in him, the one who leans on him as the cornerstone, the one who builds their life on the rock that is Christ will never be shaken or put to shame they won't be disappointed. Do you believe God's word this morning? That is truth, that is life, that this is, he is who he says he is. And when we look at this cornerstone, when I talked about the precision of it, I want you to see what it says in Isaiah chapter 28, verse 17. It says this, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. When he talks about this cornerstone, like I said, that the building will take on the shape of the cornerstone. It's dictated. If the angles are off in the cornerstone, the angles of the whole building will be off. And if they're off a half an inch at the cornerstone, they're going to be off feet by the time you get to the end of the building. Are you following me? And so it had to be right, just right. When God speaks about Jesus, the cornerstone, he says the measuring line. Justice, the level, righteousness. This will be right in my eyes. It will be perfect in every way. It will measure up just right. And it will be laid. And guess what? If that stone is laid, every stone that is laid upon it needs to come in line with the measurements of this stone. 
Everything that is laid, everything that's stacked upon it needs to be in line with this stone. This stone is not created to be in line with everything else, but it brings everything into order, everything into line. And so whenever we look at God's word and we understand this, we need to understand our part in it. Jesus is the cornerstone. Okay, but what about us? Who are we? The Bible shares light on that as well. Look what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, as you come to him, the living stone. Some of your translations will say the living cornerstone. As you come to Jesus, the living cornerstone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the eyes of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. We have a purpose. We have an identity. Our life, the Bible says, is meant to be built up by Jesus. And as we're being built up, we're like living stones that are being placed upon him as the foundation. If he's the living cornerstone and we're the living stones, do you know what that means? That your life and my life is meant to be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so for some of us, we could say, I think I understand what that means. It means that, that I, I need to make sure that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I need to make sure I've said that prayer. It's so much more than that. For us to really understand that, it means we need to take a real look at our life and we need to ask the question, if I'm being built up in a spiritual house, if I'm a living stone, do the dimensions of my life line up with what God has ordained in his word, what God has called for? Whenever I look at my life, is it lining up more and more with my cornerstone, Jesus? Do I look more like him today or less like him today than I did yesterday? That's what it's calling us to take a look at today. So it's not just the fact to say, well, I'm a Christian, so I think that I have it right. I, I, I got it all together. No, is my life lining up, Lord, with your word? Is my life lining up with what you call for me? The standards, the lines that you've said of justice and righteousness, Lord, is my life, is my life on, on point? Is it measuring up right or is it off? If it's off, Lord, then would you come as the master builder and would you do the work that you need to do to shape me and mold me and make me able to be a part of what you want to do and what you're building in me and through me. If you came to Jesus, the Bible says as you come to him, so if you have come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus, then he has purpose for you. He's building you up. His desire is that you would rest on him as your foundation, that you would trust in him with everything you are, and that he would shape and mold your life so that you would continue to be built up in every way to become the one that he's created and called you to be. But there's a warning for those that may know that he's a foundation but they know him that he's there and that his word is important, but we listen to it, but we don't do anything about it. If we're building on another foundation, but yet calling Jesus to cornerstone, something is incongruent in our lives. It's not lining up. It's easy to profess him Lord with our mouth, but when you look at your actions, the way that you're living, that's gonna tell the story of how you're building. Would you agree? And so that's important for us to understand. So important that Jesus warns us of this in Luke chapter six. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, here's what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and then you don't do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man who's building a house, who dug down deep and laid a foundation. And then when the flood occurred and the torrent burst against the house, 
it could not shake it because it was well built. When the house is built on the foundation, that foundation means that we've come to him, that we're resting on Jesus, that we're walking in a way that's according to his word and his will for us, that whenever you build up that way, it won't be shaken. But he said that there's another picture of another person. It's the one who has heard my word and not acted on them. Here's what he's like. He's like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And when the torrents came and blasted against it, it immediately collapsed and the ruin of the house was great. Jesus said, it's so important for us to look at our foundation today. You need to ask yourself a question. Is my foundation solid on Jesus or has my foundation become compromised by other things? It could be easy as we walk through life to begin to allow the foundation of our life to not rest on Jesus anymore, but we start to place it on other things. And as we pull away at the foundation and as we continue to compromise in areas, whatever it is, we start to trust more in, in our own way of thinking, trust more in our own strength and in our own wisdom. We start to pull out those key areas of support in our life. Before long, there we are, thinking that everything's fine, thinking that we've put the right foundations in place, but we haven't allowed them to rest squarely on Jesus. The Bible says the one who puts his trust in Jesus will not be disappointed, but the one who builds, who puts their trust in anything but him, great will be their demise, great will be their disappointment. Because I want to tell you, you can build it, it can look as high up as you want, you can make it look as nice and as pretty as you would like, but eventually storms come, and when the storms come, it will be shaken, and great, the Bible says, will be the fall. Great will be the fall in that moment. Because I want to tell you, there is no foundation that can withstand the storms of this world but the foundation of Christ. There's no other place that we can place our hope, place our faith, place our trust than on Jesus. And if there are areas that we begin to compromise, that we begin to allow to fall away from him, to turn away from him, the Bible says only what will remain is what cannot be shaken. And it's what's from God. That's what, everything else will fall away. When we place our hope, when we build our lives on uh, things other than Christ in the foundation that he's laying for us, the more we're gonna be up for disappointment in the end. But when we allow it to rest squarely on him, wholly on him, we won't be shaken, the Bible says. We won't fall, the flood won't be a problem. You see, the problem with this isn't the flood and it isn't the storm. Oftentimes we think that those are the problem. Those are not the problem. If your life is crumbling in those moments, your problem is not the flood, your problem is your foundation. If, 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 the, if the world is falling apart, whenever the bad times come, it isn't because the storm is so bad, it's because your foundation is failing you in some way. And you have to ask yourself in that moment, it's, it's through the stress test that you're gonna understand your foundation. And if you have the wrong foundation in place, it's gonna start to crack. It's not gonna be able to hold the weight of the storms, of the difficulties, of the trials that you're walking through. One of the great ways for you to look at that is look where the cracks are forming in your life. Look at the areas where you feel like the storm is greatest. And you say, is there a foundation that I'm trying to rest on today that isn't God, isn't Christ, isn't what he has for me? And we often have false foundations things that we put in place, man-made stopgaps that we try to put as our own working foundations and they'll never hold us. You have to have the right foundation. It can't be just yourself. It can't be your own strength. It requires you 
to allow him to be that foundation. So here's the question. What does that really mean for Jesus to become my foundation, the foundation of my life? It means that the center of gravity in your life needs to switch from you to him. And let me, uh, let me describe to you what that means. There is a game that is played in team building uh, retreats all around the country. Many of us can't stand the game, I'm sure, as I describe it to you. It's called the trust fall. And so some of them happen from heights, and those are even scarier. But this one would just be in a small circle. You'd get around in a circle with five or six other people, and you would stand in the middle, and they'd say, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make your body go stiff, and you're just going to lean in a direction, normally leaning backwards. And eventually, you're going to lean. And as you're leaning, here's what's happening. Your center of gravity when you're standing is right below your feet. And your foundation, your legs, everything's holding you. But as you lean backwards, here's what's happening. Your center of gravity is moving. And everywhere you lean, more and more, your center of gravity is being displaced. And eventually, it'll get so far that you're just going to fall in that direction. And the goal is when you are trusting in this game, the idea is that when my center of gravity has been displaced, and it's no longer on me, that it will fall on someone else's. And so there's going to be someone standing there or some people standing there, and the trust is this, that their center of gravity, that their foundation, it will be strong enough to hold me when I lean completely on it. And when I fall, it can catch me. And so... If you're playing this game and you're a larger man, you're six foot four and you are built like a football player, and then you're playing this game and you have a little 80 pound when she's soaking wet girl there standing behind you, and you're doing the trustful game, guess what? You might be disappointed in the end. Someone's going to be disappointed. I don't know if, she, if that foundation can hold you. But many times in our life, that's what we're doing. We are leaning on something that if we were just to be real with ourselves, say, that, that, that will never be able to support your life. It can't. It will disappoint you in the end. But here's what the Bible says. The one who trusts in me will never be disappointed. If you're willing to take the weight off your own life, off your own shoulders, off your own feet, and you're willing to shift it to Jesus and place it completely on him, when you fall, the Bible says he will catch you. The Bible says the one who trusts in him will not be put to shame. He is the strong cornerstone that can hold your life, that can hold everything about you. And here's what you need to know today. Your burden is big enough for him. Your burden, the trials, the circumstances you're walking through, the things that are making you weak in the knees today, lean on Jesus because he can hold you. He's a sure foundation that will never fail you, that will never forsake you. And for some of you, you're tired today. He said, come, lean on me. Take my burden on you. Take away the yoke that you're carrying. Take on my yoke. It's easy and light. Lean on me completely. Today, are you leaning on Jesus with your life? Are you allowing worry and burdens to come around you and come about you in every way? He is our sure foundation. We are the living stones meant to be built upon him completely. When we're not acting in accordance with his word, it's like we're trying to build our lives and we're trying to just hang on a little bit. Could you imagine if we were building this way? And this is how we decided we were going to build it up. How firm is that structure really? No, it needs to come in line with what Jesus has laid before us. And as we do that, as we build in that way, it's firm and secure. We can trust him, our great God, in that way. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 says it great. It says it like this. So then, you are no longer just strangers and aliens but your fellow citizens with the saints in your God's household. 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple of our Lord in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. This is what the Bible promises, that your life has value, that today you can come to him, the living stone, and rest on him completely. He's big enough for your burdens. He's big enough for your challenges. But today you have to be willing to rest on him completely and wholly. And today, the question is, as we see that Jesus is that stone, he's that living stone the Bible speaks of. It says rejected by men, but chosen and precious to God. The question for you is, have you, What have you done with the stone in your life? Do you see him as precious or are you rejecting him with the way that you live your life? Look what it says in 1 Peter 2, verse 7. It says, this stone, it has a precious value to those who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this has become the very cornerstone. Do you see that word precious shows up again? says this stone is rejected by men, but it's precious in the sight of God. This stone, to those who believe, those who have come to Jesus, it's meant to be a precious stone. What does that mean? Well, Charles Spurgeon, a very famous preacher, very famous pastor, he shared a story years back about this very passage of Scripture to illustrate this word precious. He used a very simple story, and here's how it goes. He said, imagine with me that you're very sick and you don't have any hope of a cure. And I came to you one day and I said, I have medicine. I know the medicine that you need. I know the person that makes it. I can get you the medicine that you need. You know what you'd say to me? You'd say, yes, give me that medicine. And I'd say, no, listen, that that medicine is very, very, very expensive. He said, I don't care how much it costs, just get me the medicine. I said, you don't get it. If I get you this medicine, you would have to sell your house probably, to be able to afford it. You'd have to move into a shack or into some small place. If I were to get you that, I'd say, it's fine, get me the medicine. I'd say, no, you don't get it. Like, you'd have to sell your car and you have to get around on public transportation and, and find your way. I mean, you'd have to get rid of everything. No more, no more vacations, no more of those things that you like, no more eating out of restaurants, none of that, if you're going to be able to have this medicine. And in that moment, you'd say, what good is my house if I don't have that medicine? What good is my car if I don't have that? What good are the vacations? What good is any of it if I don't have this? Because it's that precious. You see, in a moment, in a moment like that, you realize that something that seems so valuable becomes so expendable when you're in the sight of what's truly precious, what can preserve and save your life. The same is true when we come to Jesus as to those who, are, who believe he is precious. Do you wonder why people like you lead the way in generosity? Do you wonder why today there is a Project Refuge building that's been given and missionary supported all around the world? Because you come to Jesus and he is more precious than anything else that we have and can hold on to in this life because we see him as precious. That's why people look at the people of God, Christians, they say they're generous people. Why? No, it's not that something different has happened that we don't, we don't, um, you know, think the same way that the world thinks. It's just that we found something more precious. It's not that money is invaluable, but it's not as valuable as Jesus. It's not that the, the stuff in this world is invaluable. It's just we found something more valuable, more precious, more worth our life and worth everything that we are. We've come to him who's precious. 
And when you find that, just like the Bible says, we're willing to trade everything to have him. The Bible says, give up your life so you could find it in him. He's precious. He's that valuable. And he's that strong. And he's that precise. And he's that able. And he's that mighty in your life. Why wouldn't we rest on him completely? Why wouldn't we trust in him completely? Why wouldn't we lean on his understanding above our own? But that stone, the Bible says it was precious. It was laid in Zion. He said, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a precious chosen stone, the Lord says. And I want you to understand that just how valuable that stone is, just how precious it is in our sight. If we believe in Jesus today, it's even more precious in the sight of God. Do you realize it was God's son, Jesus Christ, who is that stone? And do you know what it costs God, our creator, our heavenly father, so that stone could be laid? Do you know what it cost the God of this universe? It was his only son, his only begotten son. The Bible said he loves us that much. He loves you that much that he took his precious chosen son who knew no sin and he sent him into the world that he would walk among people. He left the throne of heaven for a crown of thorns on earth. Instead of being lifted up and exalted by angels, he was lifted up on a cross, a criminal's cross, after he had been beaten and his blood flowed down and he breathed and then he died for you and for me. Do you know why? Because he loved you that much. Because God loved us that much. Whenever we should have been rejected and cast aside, God looked at us and he said, no, they're worth redeeming. They're worth rescuing. They're worth forgiving. They're worth building with. And he wants to take your life that has maybe fallen into ruins. And I want you to know something. We have a God today because he sent his son Jesus as our cornerstone, who is a master rebuilder of every life, every heart, every situation you're walking through. Your world could have crumbled around you. But I want you to know today that because he saw Jesus as precious, when he looks at you today, he can see you as valuable enough to save, valuable enough to send his own son. He loves you that much. So today, you don't have to believe it because I said it, but please believe it because God's word said it, that you loved, that today you're loved and there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus, that today it doesn't matter what you're walking through, Jesus is strong enough for your burden and for your hurt. He can bring healing right where you're at but you need to make him your foundation. You need to move away from everything else and make him Lord of your life. Because if not, you're either gonna see him as precious and value him as such, or you're gonna stumble over him. Because the Bible says to those who received him and see him as precious, if you believe, but if not, he's a stumbling block or a rock of offense, and we stumble because we're disobedient to his word, and then we are appointed to doom, the Bible says. So how will you come to Jesus and respond to him today? Will he be your cornerstone or will he be your stumbling block? Will he be the one that you rest on completely or the one that you walk in disobedience to your own demise? Today, come to him, rest on him, trust in him with everything that you are. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Today, the Lord's here. And he's near to you. He's reaching out to you right where you're at. And if you can hear the sound of my voice, 
You alone know the circumstances that you're walking through in this life. You alone know if you're at peace with God in this moment. You alone know what foundation you're building your life upon. And just as this song says that we sang today, all other ground is sinking sand. If we don't put our whole hope, our whole trust in Jesus, then we will be disappointed. We will be shaken. But today, the God of the universe is reaching out to you. He loves you. He would want nothing more than to have a life-changing relationship with you. Today, you don't have to be a perfect person to come to Jesus because he sees you right where you're at. And he doesn't wait for you to get your life together before you can experience his grace and love and forgiveness. Today, you don't have to come and earn it. You have to come in faith. You have to come acknowledging it and believing that his love is great enough, believing that he died on the cross for your sins, believing that he rose from the grave for your forgiveness and for your new life. And if you put your faith and your trust in Jesus today, it's just like that trust fall I talked about. Are you willing to lean on Jesus today? Are you willing to lean on him with everything you are and trust him completely with your life? And if you're willing to do that, then he is faithful to forgive you of all your sins and give you a brand new life. Is there anyone in this house today that you say, Pastor, I need to experience that forgiveness in my own life. I need to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. I need to invite him right now in this moment to forgive me of my sins. Today, you know, you alone know. I'm gonna give you a moment to reflect on that. But if that's you, I'm gonna ask you in a moment just to lift your hand so that I know. And I'm gonna pray with you. It's going to be a prayer to ask Jesus to come and forgive you of your sins and give you the brand new life that his word promises. But this deciding moment calls for decisive action. You need to acknowledge before God your need for him and he'll meet you with forgiveness and mercy and grace. So if that's you and you can hear the sound of my voice and you know that you need to be right with God today and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, right where you're sitting, wherever you are, I want you to lift your hand above your head high. Right where you're at, lift your hand right above your head. Amen. I see your hand going up there. Is there anyone else in the balcony? I see your hands there in the balcony. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Praise God. I see your hand down here as well. I'm going to pray with you. Just a moment. I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to say these words after me. And I'm going to invite everyone in the room today. Would you just say this as an act of recommitment of your heart and your life with God? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life right now and forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. Thank you for this new life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for being my cornerstone. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate with those that have made that decision today? We actually have today, if you've accepted Jesus for the first time, we have a room that's right out in the foyer in the balcony. As we stand up and get ready to sing in just a moment, I'd encourage you, our ushers can help you. We'd love to meet with you there if you just accepted Jesus. We'd love to pray with you and give you some special gifts to help you in your relationship with him. So if that was you, in just a moment, I'm gonna invite us all to stand now. I want you to head out there as we're singing and responding to what God did. And we'd love to connect with you for a couple minutes as our service ends. For the rest of us today, Maybe you've said that prayer before, but are you making Jesus your cornerstone daily? 
Are you allowing your life to line up with his word in every way? Today, we're gonna give you something special as you leave. At every door, our ushers are standing by and they have a basket full of these blocks. And as you leave today, you're gonna have an opportunity to take one of these with you. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Will you place it somewhere in your life, maybe at your desk, maybe at home on your dresser, somewhere that you'll see it every single day. And will you be able to say, Jesus, be my cornerstone today. Jesus, come be the one that I trust in, that I rest in. Allow this to become a part of your prayer life as you spend time with God daily and you'd be reminded that he's strong enough for every burden, that he truly is our cornerstone. Amen? Amen. Our God is good. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we close out our service? Lord Jesus, we come to you today, the living stone, the precious stone, our cornerstone, our foundation, the one that we rest on, the one that we trust in, the one that can handle everything that we walk through. Today, Lord, we lean on you. We trust in you. We allow our lives to come in line with your word. And Lord, we ask you to lead and guide us. Build us up in every way we pray. Lord, we look to you today. We're reminded that you are our cornerstone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you today. You're free to uh, come forward if you want to pray. Uh, but you can enter into worship as we close out our time and save your conversations for the foyer.